everybody. How you doing? How are you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Treese coming to you today with another episode of Talking Football. But guess what? It's not just us today. A guy, um, if you've been here since the beginning, you're going to know the name. You're going to know the voice. It's been a while, but we're glad to have him back. Mr. Riley O'Brien. Sorry, I had to get that little announcer voice in there. Utah Jazz, I believe they're still leading the West. Uh, so good time to be a member of the Jazz, to be a fan of the Jazz, I should say. Um, glad to have you back, though, man. It's been a long time, and I know you got several questions for us. Uh, a lot of people may not know this, but you are the guy that that comes up with a lot of creative segments. You know, you'll randomly send us a message. You'll be like, hey, you guys should talk about this. You know, what do you think about this? What about that? And I was like, holy shit, like that is awesome. Let's get that answered. Let's get that segment inserted. And so this is just going to be a Riley O'Brien episode of Talking Football. Um, and dude, I'll tell you what, I'm very excited to have you back on and, and see what you have for us today. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's amazing to be back. It's, you know, I text you guys all the time. Um, you know, listening to episodes and I'm like, I'm not saying anything that I haven't told these guys before, but man, like every episode is just, it's amazing how much, you know, how far it's come. And it's a credit to you guys. I love the consistency with which you guys have done it. Um, and shoot, man. Yeah. So many times I'm texting Patrice and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I can just sit here and uh, text and get all these uh, ideas and input and stuff from him, but you know, let's just do it on the podcast. So yeah, I'm happy to happy to jump on and do it. So. Absolutely. And Trees, we haven't heard you yet, but I mean, like we start nearly every episode with a little Trees Sivia. Let's get into that. Why don't you say? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Well, I mean, I'm going to give you both an opportunity to try to answer that. How about that? So Riley can uh, be a part of it. I literally just said, how about that? It's like the girl that just whatever. How about that girl? And uh, catch, catch, me outside. Me out, catch me outside. Catch me Who's outside. A- how about that? And was a millionaire in one day because of her OnlyFans. Oh, man. <laughs> that is just nuts. It also nuts. goes to show how many creeps are out there. Like, y'all waited also, till she turned 18. It was just like, ah, here's a shit ton of money. Totally. For, <laughs> sure. for sure. For sure. Okay. Only two wide receivers have 400 receptions and 25 touchdowns over the last four NFL seasons. Who are these two wide receivers? 25 touchdowns and what? 400 receptions. Okay. Um, I'm assuming this comes because of Julian Edelman's retirement announcement and the amount of people that are out on social media saying, hey, this guy's a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. Opinions are being thrown out there. So I have to ask, is Julian Edelman one of these guys? He is not. Am I on the right track where these stats started to come from, though? Um, I know because it has nothing to do with Julian Edelman. All righty, then. Okay. Um, it can be tight ends. Sure. Travis Kelsey's one of them. No, he's not. George Kittle's one of them. Nope. Rob Gronkowski's one of them. No. A tight end's not one of them. Okay. That's all I needed to know. I was trying to throw all of them out oh, there. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I only Travis Kelsey actually probably is one of them. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just trying to talk the research. I actually specifically researched only wide receivers. So actually, Travis Kelsey probably is now that I think about it. He, he probably has 400, 400. So wide receivers only. Let's let's do that. Okay. Um I mean, 25 touchdowns within a year, like over the last four years. I mean, you have to be leading the league pretty damn close and receiving touchdowns. Is Tyreek Hill one of them? He is not. So 400 receptions, 25 touchdowns. So you're getting nearly 100 receptions a season. Is Keenan Allen? He is. Okay. And you said there's only two? Yep. I think Mike I know Evans. the other one. Yeah. Say it. So I kind of know this because it was a, uh, one of the questions I was going to ask was about uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. It's got to be Hopkins. Bingo. Is it? Yeah, it is. Dude, there we go. There we go. Yeah, nice, nicely Ooh. done. Look at that. One-two punch duo. I, I, knew, I knew Hopkins would be one, and I'm like, okay, the other one's probably – there's, you know, there's going to be some obscure name. So kudos to you, Austin, for grabbing that one for me. I, I, I would not have gotten that one. 
There we go. So we need to start tweeting these out. Here's another thing because I see people tweeting like, bro, DJ Moore has been is like the only receiver of the last two years to have like the same amount of yards and touchdowns or whatever that tree savior stat that that we had that one episode. And I see people posting it all the time. And then other people are commenting and I was like, believe it or not, he had the same exact amount of yards both seasons. Isn't that just crazy? And I was like, Yeah, dude, you listen to talking football about three months ago, you would have done dead heard this. Here we are. We need to start pushing these out there. I'm gonna I'm put I'm putting this upon myself. I'm Perfect. gonna start doing this. <laughs> Love okay. it. Awesome. Now, rest of the episode, let's get into that before we get into Riley's questions. Um, a little news going on with players, you know, that will be starting to report to involuntary workouts. Um, that is about to start taking place again in the NFL. Right now, we're starting to see several teams um, from the NFL PA, their players saying, hey, these players will not be uh, participating in these type of workouts. The teams so far are the Broncos, the Bucks, and the Seahawks. I fully expect us to see nearly every team um, do this. I just kind of wish they would have waited till like everyone to kind of be in agreement with it instead of having like 32 separate announcements. Cause like we get it. Like you guys aren't just going to show up to this while we're still trying to deal with these COVID uh, protocols and everything like that. And COVID still being a thing and people trying to be back, getting vaccinated and everything being done that needs to be done. I just think this is something that, we're going to see from everyone else here over the next couple of weeks, the next couple of days, next in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. I fully expect to see a lot of them. The only ones that I don't see this happening for actually is probably the teams with new head coaches. I think all those players are going to want to try to get into a camp with their head coach um, and their systems. So the Eagles, the lions, the chargers, Jets. chargers, Jets. Jags, Yep. Yeah. Is that like, it? There's there was eight head coaching openings, right? Uh, Falcons. Falcons is the other one. Golly, yeah. So the te- and maybe you said the Texans, not. yeah. I thought you did, but I did not. But yeah, Texans as well. Sorry, I thought you did. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and maybe some of them don't either. Um, especially like maybe these first ones, like before the draft and stuff. But like the ones, like I mean rookie minicamp all those guys are going to be going for sure the ones in june and early june where you have some vets showing up i'd expect those ones to be there um but speaking of rookies and stuff uh sounds like the jags have given uh mr trevor lawrence the playbook and he's already just just grooming it all in i love it i love it I saw someone say he's already talking like he's a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, duh, what is bro. It? Duh, of course he is. Of course Since he is. the season ended for Jacksonville, December. <laughs> like, exactly. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. College um, football playoff, forget about it. He was already, he's, I, I'm almost positive he probably had the playbook before, before his college season was over. Like, I agree. I agree. Um, actually, the funny thing is, so he got married this weekend. Um, so, he, was it this past weekend? Yeah, yeah. So he went to the Masters because he got married in, in Georgia. So he went to the Masters ah. on like day one and two. And then after that, he went and got married. Um, so the Jaguars Twitter started to go fund me for a present for him. They raised up like 10 grand. <laughs> I was yeah. like, why? As a, He's about to make like 50 fucking million dollars. Hey, we love you. We love you, Trevor. <laughs> yeah hey that check hasn't cleared yet y'all i'll tell you that let's give him as much money as we can now i can't even remember what they got him they got him like a like like a 500 dollars toaster and like i don't even know what else like something else and then they did a whole bunch to charity so um anyways it was super (laughs) super cool like just randomly somebody was like we should all buy him a gift and then everybody's like and then all of a sudden, like within hours, it was like, <laughs> go fund me up to like five grand. <laughs> so it was pretty awesome. That is pretty neat. You guys better just hope you don't mess it up. And he wants out of Jacksonville, like some of your other first rounders that you've had over the last couple of years. Don't mean uh, to be that one. guy, but you just know. one. But yeah, I mean, just one first rounder. Right. Um, but no, for sure. Totally get it. There we go. Um, speaking of other news in the NFL, running backs, uh, Giovanni Bernard was released, uh, requested to be released by the Cincinnati Bengals. They fulfilled that request and released him. He has recently signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then James Conner has just recently signed with the Arizona Cardinals as well. So the Arizona Cardinals continue to add weapons to that offense. 
Um, and some people even expect them to go offense in the first round, too. I believe I saw – I don't know if it was Mel Kuyper's mock draft today uh, or another one I saw a couple days ago last week or either this week. It's only Tuesday for us as we're recording. But I saw them taking Najee Harris. Um, it's kind of questionable now that they got James Conner, but that would still be amazing if they find a way to do that and then you get a one-two punch with James Conner and Najee Harris because that is going to be nasty um, in the NFC West with Arizona if that does happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Geo signing is good. Very interesting for Keyshawn Vaughn, though. Uh, rookie last year out of um, Vanderbilt. Um, mm-hmm. now, like He was their third down catching back. Supposed to be it. Clearly did not do much last year, and now they're bringing in Geo Bernard. You wonder what he's going to be on that team. Um, and also, Geo, very smart of him. So it sounds like the Jags and the Jets were kind of two teams that reached out to him very early. And they were just like going all in on him. Um, and then he held out for a couple of days, hoping that the Bucks would eventually call. And they did. So he kind of bet on himself there for a few days and ended up working out. But why I'm bringing that up is now like to see that the Jets and Jags and a few other teams were very like going hard after Geo. Like, you now know that they're going to be going hard after some of those pass catching running backs in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that web whether they go after someone in the first round with their second pick um, that they have there after probably taking Zach Wilson, which we all think is pretty much a guarantee at this point, a quarterback out of BYU with the number second, or excuse me, with the number two pick in the draft. Um, and then they have another one in the first round as well uh, with the trade of Jamal Adams to, to uh, Seattle, to the yeah. Seahawks. Pick um, it, yep. It is going to be interesting to kind of see what they do there, especially since they're pursuing on um, a pass catching running back, like Treese just mentioned. Other news around the laces here, Julian Edelman has decided to retire, hang up the cleats. Uh, he had a video, kind of like a goodbye to uh, Patriot Nation or Pats Nation, whatever they call themselves, just Super Bowl Nation is what they should be. Um, and he said, you know, I always said I was going to play till the wheels fell off. And, well, they pretty much have because he had that knee surgery, and that's pretty much kind of doing it for him for as old as he is. He's, he's a, a sneaky 34 years old. My question to you, Trace, is he a Hall of Famer in your mind? No. Okay. I mean, I'm I, <laughs> I. It's weird to me. Like maybe I'm just getting too old. Like maybe I'm just that <laughs> old guy now on like Twitter that like I get bothered that people like get so worked up over like these arguments. <laughs> like where I'm just like, guys, tone it down a little bit. Get off my yeah. lawn. Um. Yeah. So, but like to me, I mean, there's just no way. Like. And sure, you call me a homer or whatever. Like Jimmy Smith had a better career than him, and Jimmy Smith hasn't even been like considered for the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like he he had like three good years, like great years, and then like other than that, like he was a very good player. It is okay to be a very good player. You made a ton of plays in the playoffs. Obviously, the super a lot of good Super Bowl plays, and it's okay to just like you're not in the Hall of Fame. Like that's acceptable like great yeah. career you have super bowl wins you're going to go into new england's hall of fame like you're going to be loved in boston forever that does not mean that you're a hall of famer in the nfl in my opinion so i'm actually going to kind of disagree with you on this i will agree that or i think we both can agree that he is going to go down as an absolute legend um in foxborough with the new england patriots like he's going to be a guy that they always remember um the catch in the super bowl you know his big performances that he had during games his punt returns um and then the performances that he had in the playoffs which is why i think he is a hall of famer because his production during the playoffs and in a super bowl uh helped the patriots tremendously in continuing on through the playoffs and getting to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. I mean, that game against Atlanta, if you don't have Julian Edelman um, or White, the running back, who I think had like nearly 20 receive, like twenty receptions that game um, and eventually also scored the game when he touched on an overtime for him, I don't know if the Patriots win that Super Bowl in, against Atlanta. Uh, so it's just – it's one of those things that I look at and I watch – or not necessarily that I did watch throughout his career. And it's like – I mean, he sits at the top of, you know, these playoff records – in terms of receiving yards, I don't know if he leads any of them, but I do know that he, he's up there. And it's one of those things where I think people are going to take that into account, you know, over time. And that this is one of those guys that 
was a key part in the Patriots winning those last three Super Bowls that they won. Um, that last trio there with Tom Brady before he eventually moved on from New England and goes to Tampa to win another one. Uh, and that's why I think he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer just due to that fact of what he was able to bring week in and week out for the Patriots in terms of the playoffs and those deep runs that they had. Riley, is this something that you kind of agree on? We haven't really, we haven't had you too involved here because we haven't gotten to the Riley takeover yet, but Julian Adelman in your mind, hall of fame, yes or no. And why? Yeah. So I would, I would actually, um, and maybe as like Tree said, maybe I'm just getting to be the, uh, he and I are only a few days apart. Uh, on, so we're right there in the same age. I agree with, with uh, what he said for the reasons that he said. Um, I mean, Hell of a player. I wish the team that I supported um, could have Super Bowl plays and, and things like that that would stick out. But uh, yeah. um, so if, if I'm a New England Patriot fan, listen, I, yeah, I love the hell out of Julian Edelman, but um, yeah. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, yeah, exactly for the reason Trees gave. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, I will go say, ahead. sorry, I will say he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Like, he is 100% going to make it. Yeah. I mean, he's I one, of, he's a Super Bowl MVP. Like, it's hard to look at a receiver and go, eh, playoff performance, Super Bowl MVP, three time Super Bowl champ. Kind of hard not to put him in. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's move on so we don't sit here and continue to argue about that. AJ Bouye uh, goes to the Carolina Panthers. This is great news for the Panthers. I love this for them because you get another veteran corner uh, on this team with a young defensive uh, core that you have. Uh, last year, excuse me, last year, the year before, you went all defense in the draft. One of the first times we've really seen that. And now this year, it's like you get to just keep adding to that offense now that you've, you know, made the trade for Sam Donald and you just got to keep adding, you know, the weapons around him are going to be good. You just got to add to it with the offensive line to protect him and then get him a tight end target because once you do that, I've been saying it for months at this point. I've been saying it here on the podcast. I've been saying it on radio and mic'd up where it's like the Carolina Panthers are going to be a team to watch, whether it's this next year or a couple years down the road, we can very easily see them atop of the NFC South winning that and competing for a Super Bowl if everything goes right with Sam Donald. Now, you can say that for nearly any team, you know, if, all, if everything goes well, they could be competing for a Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers are serious, especially with the playmakers that they have and the speed on that offense and the experience that's there as well. Uh, so A.J. Bouye being added to that defense just helps them even more. Um, I might just be a closet Panthers fan. Honestly, I might just have to accept that. I think their helmets are cool. I think their logo's cool. Their color scheme's cool. And Carolina is just a fucking beautiful-ass state. All right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> bingo, bango. Bingo, bango. Um, yeah, I think it's a good signing as well. Two-year deal. He suspended the first two games of the season this year. So, they, honestly, they probably got him on the cheap end. Um, he is obviously getting a little bit older, but – Great, great signing there. I think it's going to be good for them. Um, get him until the wheels fall off, basically. So, um, good cheap deal for him. That's all I kind of got to say about that one. Bingo, bingo. 32-team mock draft update. Is is this you, Therese? What do you got here? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm, in a, I'm in a mock draft going on right now that's been going on for like almost a week now. Uh -huh. Austin was invited. He declined. Got too much going on. He's got too much going on. Too busy on the head. weekends. Yep, totally. Even though it's been all week. That's all right. So, um, but so 32 teams or 32 owners, it's been pretty fun. Like, it's just like a live draft as, as you go. Um, obviously, I'm picking for the Jags. I've kind of told Austin my draft picks. Um, Riley has no idea. So I'm going to read it off. I personally think I've done a pretty damn good job. So. Here's how, here's how it's gone. We're only in round four right now. So just saying that. So round one, obviously 1.01, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Uh, with pick 25, uh, Quiddy Pay, the defensive end from Michigan. So he fell. I mean, you have to take mm -hmm. that type of talent when he falls that far. So teaming him up with Chase on and, and Josh Allen, you got three edge rushers there that can all do great things. So we go there. And then I obviously I pick 33, uh, Kadarius Tony, wide receiver out of Florida, get another weapon for, for Trevor Lawrence there. Super excited that he fell. And then pick 45 was not expecting to go this route, but he ends up falling. Travis Etienne, 
partner in crime at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence running back there. Obviously, we have James Robinson, but I think they do want to get some extra speed there. They did sign Carlos Hyde, but I mean, you can't pass up that type of just talent at 45 right there. So mm-hmm. I get him at 45. Um, and then I go into round three and I get Javon Holland, the safety out of Oregon at pick 65. So get, just feeling another need there. So love that. And then with my, cause I have two fourth rounders, my first fourth rounder. So pick one Oh six, I end up trading that pick to the Buccaneers and I get OJ Howard. So I fill in my tight end position. I, I traded a fourth and fifth rounder for OJ Howard. So now I didn't take a tight end early in the draft. So I wanted to fill that in with a pass catcher, get OJ Howard there. And then my second fourth rounder is actually in seven picks. So um, I'll be up again here in probably like an hour from now. And I for sure will be taking a offensive lineman just to kind of fill a need there for depth. And then we'll see. We'll see the rest of the draft over the next couple of days. I mean, just what the fuck is everyone else doing? <laughs> they they accepted a fourth and a fifth for OJ Howard. They did. If that's all it took. <laughs> Welcome to Kansas City, tie number two. Golly. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then the other question I had, Quiddy Pay falling to you what? You said 25th? 25th. What are the Titans and Colts doing? Let me tell you. So the Colt, the Colts actually traded back. Um, so they actually didn't even have a first rounder. They ended up racking up like four second rounders, I think, or something like that. Something crazy. Titans ended up taking Rashad Bateman. And take him in the second, like a damn. I will. I will say he wouldn't. Have, like I probably would have taken him at twenty five. Um, I, cause I was thinking about going wide receiver and then all of a sudden just quitty pay just kept, kept dropping, man. And I was just like, all right, cool. That's so, a nasty um, defense. So for just so we're aware. So, um, my, or sorry, Detroit ended up taking Penny soul at seven in this. So Riley lions took him and then Kansas city took, um, Liam, uh, Eckenberg. Eckenberg. Eckenberg, Eckenberg, I've heard it. I I watched, I purposely started watching some YouTube videos to just to learn how to pronounce people's names. And I watched two that said Eckenberg. So Eckenberg, there we go. I might be wrong then. No, I, who knows, who knows, but anyways, (laughs) um, so there's that. And I was honestly hoping that Christian, uh, Barmore was going to fall to 33, even though I still loved, uh, Kadarius Tony there at 33, but hoping that he fell. So anyways, that that's where we're at. Just kind of want to give an update to let people know that it's actually going to be a pretty cool thing. So it's going to be a whole article on uh, CC scouting. Um, they're going to be posting that in a couple of weeks and uh, they're going to get a whole bunch of people like reviewing and rating and grading people's drafts and stuff. So very interested Ooh. to see how that plays. I think it's a cool little thing that they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Riley, what are your thoughts on landing Penny Sewell at seven in, in this mock draft? Oh man. I mean, if that happens, I mean, this is a guy that's for what all the, the whole duration of the season last year, he was slated two or three. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe the the third overall pick. Um, But yeah, obviously that was my first thought as soon as San Francisco traded up to three was, you know, okay. Hey, maybe this means Sewell falls to the lions. It's a team obviously entirely rebuilding the strength of the team has a chance to be the offensive line so if yeah if he's on the board I mean I've 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 wanted a quarterback the the whole way through but if he's on the board um that's a pick you have to make you have to start you know building the trenches and then uh, go from there so yeah I mean that that would be amazing um if that happens I did have the, the question you guys I think was it last year I think it was last year or maybe the year before when you guys uh with Matt and Mello uh, and a few other people you tweeted your mock draft is that yeah, we did that was mm-hmm. we did that last year that was pretty fun that was a fun little just like random like somebody that uh that was jared brand that just randomly texted us right and uh um, yep that was just like hey you guys want to do this Brick? sure let's do it um that was a pretty fun little activity uh we had uh, connor rogers with us as well yep. any chance we get we get one of those at least for round one this year um 
let me ask tomorrow. That might not be a bad idea. I know sure. we're we're rolling through a ton of mock drafts. Um, I mean, I'm I know Matt is for sure, especially since he started his new site, the Draft Scout. Like, I think that's all that yeah. dude does is mock drafts. Like, I don't know what else he does. I he does cool. a shit ton, but you know. <laughs> um, let's just roll this right into the Riley takeover because you. I heard you mention that you want here. When you saw that the 49ers traded up to three, you know, you, we, we all assume that they're, they're doing that to get a quarterback. And in your mind, that meant Penny Sewell could possibly drop to seven uh, because, I mean, the draft honestly might start at pick four. If the New England Patriots trade up or the Dallas Cowboys or the Denver Broncos trade up to four to either take another quarterback, the Cowboys would be making the move up to get Kyle Pitts, which would just be absolutely terrifying for that offense. They would give them the best offense in the offense in the NFL. There's no arguing that, in my opinion. But then it was like, all right, now it starts at five. And you have the Cincinnati Bengals sitting here, and it's like, okay, we've heard Joe Burrow say he wants Jamar Chase, former teammate at LSU, or do they go Penny Sewell, you know, at left tackle and protect him because you don't want to see that guy's knee bend back like he's an ostrich or a flamingo anymore. That's just really not what you want to see your franchise quarterback do. And then we get to pick six, and then we get to pick seven between the Miami Dolphins and the Lions. And it's like Penny Sewell could be just sitting there or, you know, there is a receiver, whether, you know, Jamar Chase falls, if they do take Penny Sewell at five, is would you rather have Penny Sewell at left tackle if he's available, or would you want to go receiver as like a, you know, a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle or a Micah Parsons at linebacker? Like, what do you want as a Lions fan? And also, you mentioned a quarterback. Are you not happy with the trade for Jared Goff? Yeah, so the answer for me would be Sewell. And I think that that's because I've kind of just been resigned to the fact that, look, you've got to just, you know, you've got to start over. Um, you guys obviously know uh, Matthew Stafford's my guy. He still is. Um, and for years, it's been year after year after year, seeing this very talented player and just feeling like we've, there's just too many holes in the team. And so for me, you know, there's needs all over the field. I don't think getting my first thought was if we get a receiver for Jared Goff, he needs somebody to throw the ball to, but I'm not looking at the lions as Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback three years from now. He might be, but if he is, I mean, I just think that, that you have to start there. Um, as I said a minute ago, I think that that is, if you ask me, what is the strength of the lions team right now? It's, it's the offensive line add Penny Sewell and, uh, and then just go from there. I'm not too worried about skill position players. I just don't think the Lions are going to be good for the next year, possibly two. All right. Well, and saying that then, I mean, you guys do have a shit ton of picks, it seems like, in the next couple of years in terms of first-rounders and second-rounders. So you're in a good spot to rebuild. Um, those were the questions I had for you. Therese, do you have any questions to Riley in terms of the Lions before he goes rapid-fire questions to us the rest of the episode? Um, no, I mean, it's hard because Riley and I text – a lot. So I asked him already questions. So I probably should have memorized some of the questions that I've asked. And so everybody else could hear, but no, nothing off the top of my head. Okay. Riley. No, I mean that, so that leads perfectly into my first question here. And, and uh, as you said, at the outset of the episode, Austin, you know, the three of us text a lot, you know, I text trees individually a lot to, you know, get a, a lot of his mostly lines related stuff. So, um, you know, what his thoughts. So this is a question I've asked Tim. I want to get his input as well after I start with yours. Okay. Let's say it's 2018. Okay. The year 2018, the football season just ended. That season, Jared Goff threw 32 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. 2018, Stafford threw 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Okay. So let's, let's say now that let's say that you come and say Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. It's crazy how, you know, a month, two months ago, oh man, the, you know, the Rams won the trade. You like what the Lions received, but the Rams get the better player. Mm -hmm. At the end of the 2018 season, if, if that same trade takes place, if the Lions called the Rams and said, we want Goff, we'll give you Stafford. What does the offer have to be at that point? What do the Lions have to give up at that point? I mean, they wouldn't be able to give up anything because, I mean, the Rams, they loved Jared Goff because that was Sean McVay's first season as coach, right? That was his first year as a coach for the Rams when they, he took over for Jeff Fisher after they went, they moved yeah, to L.A. Went to the Super Bowl that year. So, yep. so uh, I mean, so, so yeah, second, like second year. 
Second year. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, like they weren't going to move on. Like that was Jared Goff was Sean McVay's dude. Like he got, he accepted that job and he was pumped to have a young quarterback in Jared Goff, right? He was excited to, you know, to share his offense, to continue to build off of it. Uh, they went to a Super Bowl. You, you know, it was a close game. It was a good game. You got close to winning it. You know, the Patriots had some great defensive plays, and then Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does, and they come back and they win that game. And it ends up being a pretty boring Super Bowl it was. But, like, the Lions at that point, I mean, they had just signed – or, excuse me, they had just hired uh, Patricia as well, didn't they? That was his first yeah. year's coach? Yes, yep. it was. So, um, with that, like, it, it, that was such a different – tone of offense for the Lions as well that I remember Matthew Stafford just kind of being thrown off because before that I was like Matthew Stafford save the day like throw the ball you know 30 40 50 times a game like you're the guy like da 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 like just make it happen right like Matthew Stafford's gonna win us this football game and like when Patricia came in it was like yo my defense is gonna win us games we're gonna run the ball and we're gonna take care of it we don't need you to throw this much and it just I remember it feeling like Matthew Stafford wasn't used to that pace of play. Uh, that's not what he was used, you know, he wasn't being, he wasn't used to being asked to be that type of quarterback, to be a game manager. It was more of a, a go-getter and a go-win-it. And then it was like this last year, everything kind of flipped where, you know, the storyline on Patricia was players can't stand him. They don't respect him. They don't like his type of leadership style. They don't like his coaching style. They just, the Patriot way is not working out in Detroit. Now, I this was something I supported at the beginning of the football year um, and in the offseason on Mic'd Up. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I was trying to be a little bit more understanding for Patricia and just kind of like, all right, hey, it needs just an extra year. And then you just saw literally everything fall apart, change of ownership, boom, he's out, general manager is out. And then let's go back to the Rams here with Jared Goff. And it was it wasn't necessarily that offensive or defense has caught up to Sean McVay's offense. It's that they caught on to the weaknesses of Jared Goff right where the rumors come out and it's like Sean McVay is telling him where to throw the ball where he's still in the headphones. There's like, Hey, this guy's going to be open. And it's like, Jared Goff still has to make the throw. He still has to make the read, which he was doing. You know, we don't know how much truth is there actually, but I just feel like over time, Sean McVay kind of started to realize he was like, ah, like, I don't know if this is necessarily my guy or maybe he continued to feel that way until he went down and then, you know, they win that last game of the year with with what Woodford, who was has a stronger arm than Jared Goff. And I think that's when it kind of clicked for Sean McVay was like, oh, it doesn't matter who my quarterback is. If I just get a strong arm guy in here who can zip the ball down the field and ain't scared, you know, to turn the ball over, like that's all we need. Like, and we're gonna go back to a Super Bowl, right? And you that's exactly what they get with Matthew Stafford and with Jared Goff, it was something I praised at the beginning of this past football season where he had that, that like, fuck it mindset, right, Trace? I remember us talking about this where it was like he just doesn't care anymore. He's wanting to see the ball in there. He's wanting to throw. He's putting it in tight windows. He's not second-guessing, and it's just it was going so well, and then he gets injured. And I think, you know, to answer this question in a long way and try and wrap it up here, it was at that point in time, Jared Goff was untradeable, right? Like he was the Rams' future quarterback. He just helped lead them to the Super Bowl with Sean McVay. Now, over time, Sean McVay realizes if I get a guy like Matthew Stafford in here, we can go to a Super Bowl every single year. And with the lines, it was, we appreciate what you've done here. It's time to move on. Matthew Stafford's still young. He can kind of be the guy that we need to game manage or just be the bridge quarterback into the future of Detroit if it doesn't work. But you are getting a guy who was in the front office for the Los Angeles Rams when they drafted Jared Goff. So he knows what he's getting. He knows what he has. And that might be exactly what they need moving forward. So, I mean, we could be having this conversation or a similar conversation in three years where we're looking at it as like, you know what, the Lions won that trade. You know, like Matthew Stafford could get injured in L.A. and be like, man, this just doesn't working out. And you're getting Jared Goff in, you know, Detroit just doing his thing, being a game manager, you know, getting the ball down the field and just making plays here and there. And you're competing in the North because – the NFC North is also about to change here in the next couple of years when the Packers no longer have Aaron Rodgers, you know, and the Chicago Bears maybe have a quarterback or a whole new regime there. And then you're looking at the Minnesota Vikings and it's like, what are they? They still have Kirk Cousins. You know what I mean? Things could be so different here in the next couple of years where the Lions might be the only team that have a quarterback that is consistent and reliable again, three years down the road. Sorry to take so long to answer that question, but kind of, yeah. No, yeah, it's, uh, 
bunch of good thoughts. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to start with this question is, uh, you know, of course we'll lead off with something related to, uh, you know, to Matthew Stafford, but Trace, what are your thoughts on it? I know um, uh, value-wise at that time, the trade wasn't feasible for all the reasons Austin just gave, but what are your thoughts on it? Hey, yeah, take obviously. 10 minutes. Go ahead and take 10 minutes to answer like I did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, like obviously that wouldn't have happened. Like Jared Goff was, like he got MVP votes. Like he does, he honestly deserved to be in that discussion. And the following year, I, I projected him to be the Super Bowl or not the Super Bowl uh, to pre, to be the MVP. Like I really thought that he was like on that way. And him and him and McVay were going to change the NFL. I mean, shit happens, didn't happen that way and stuff. So yeah, obviously that was not going to be the case. It honestly probably would have been turned around where Lions would have been giving up first round picks. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. So on that, you know, it's crazy how much changes in such a short period of time. So let me ask you guys, is Jared Goff going to be successful with the Lions? Do you think he'll be the quarterback there three years from now? I, I mean, it depends on what they build around him in the draft, right? Like, do they, do they secure the offensive line and then try and find offensive weapons later in the draft? I personally think they will do that because the GM that they have now coming from LA, you also have John Dorsey on that staff. Those guys know how to find talent in terms of free agency. Like now they might fuck up your cap space or John Dorsey might, but you know, maybe that's why he's not the GM, but like that dude knows how to build a team, right? Like he knows how to evaluate players. He's going to bring in a guy like an Albert Wilson, you know, a Javaris Landry and, you're going to get these guys and you're like, who are they? And then next thing you know, they become, you know, contributing players. Now we all know who Javaris Landry was, of course, but the fact that you're able to get him in free agency and then you're able to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. And then you get a quarterback like Baker Mayfield in the first round. John Dorsey knows what he's doing, right? He helped change the franchise, the future of Kansas City with Alex Smith and Andy Reid coming in. He was a part of that regime. He helped, he made it happen. The Chiefs eventually fire him. They go and win a Super Bowl literally the following year and a half. Now, can we say the same thing about the Cleveland Browns? I hope not, because then that means my Chiefs are not in the Super Bowl and the Browns are, and I don't want to see the Browns in the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. But just knowing that he's on the staff for the Lions um, would excite me as a Lions fan because that dude is going to find you talent on both sides of the ball, late in the draft and in free agency, especially with the new GM coming from L.A. What, that was with the Rams. All fair points. I'm going to say, no, he's not the quarterback in three years. And I'm going to say it's not his fault. Um, Goff desperately needs a very strong offensive line. Um, that was pretty obvious with the Rams. And I don't think that the Lions have that. And even if they get Penny Sewell and they end up building that, then he's going to have no, no weapons. Like this, this Lions team has the worst offensive weapons in the NFL. Like, I, I can't think of a team that has worse. I love DeAndre Swift. Everybody else, I do not love. I do not. If Tyra Williams can stay healthy, you might be okay. That's a big if, though. And you have TJ Hawkinson. You need him to take a massive step in production, though, on your offense. Hawkinson, good. Very good. Uh, Tyra Williams, I think, is at best a wide receiver three. Oof. <laughs> Sorry, Riley. <laughs> no, no, no. That, listen, like I said, I mean, it, it's been a sobering few, you know, few months for me um, coming to terms with everything. But, uh, you know, I asked when we signed him, I asked Reese, you know, hey, what are your thoughts on Williams? And that was exactly what he said at best, uh, a wide receiver three. So um, let me ask you guys now, as we, we start looking at this year's draft, a few weeks ago was, yeah, two weeks ago, the Niners may move up to number three. The rumor is, Mac Jones. We don't know if that'll be the case, but if it is, make the case for me. Why Mac Jones? Why is he being rumored at number three? Because Kyle Shanahan believes he thinks just like him, that he's going to make the right throw. He's going to make an accurate throw and he's going to continue to make the right plays and put the ball in this playmaker's hands um, quickly and efficiently like he wants. Um, I think he's experimented with quarterbacks that, you know, can move out of the pocket and scramble, you know, and make extra things happen. And while it's fun, you know, and it kind of puts a little bit of flair on the game and your offense and it's exciting and you like to have it at times. I think he's done with that. Like, I think he wants that Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. I think he wants that Jimmy Garoppolo type of quarterback. 
but one that's not scared to take a shot, right? One that's not scared to throw the ball down the field, but one that can also do it accurately, right? And I think with Jimmy G, it felt like he gave up on the team last year with that ankle injury, and he just kind of pretty much made the decision himself to sit out the rest of the season. Um, but you like you even look at the the backup quarterbacks and who they've taken in the middle rounds, like a CJ Beathard, like that's the guy Kyle Shanahan wants leading his offense. He wants Matt Ryan. And I think you look at Mac Jones and it's not pretty. It's not the sexiest pick, but the dude can throw with anticipation. And yeah, people might look at a weakness on the amount of talent that he played with in Alabama. That dude still made some good throws. You know what I mean? Stepping up in the pocket, having good pocket movement. And I don't know if people just don't think he's super slow. He ran a four seven in his 40 at his pro day. Like that's tight end speed. Like you have a tight end speed, a quarterback, like that's Travis Kelsey speed. And Travis Kelsey's like deemed as one of the fastest tight ends in the NFL, right? Like he's a pretty quick dude younger in his career. Now, not so much, but like you're going to be fine. If Mac Jones is your quarterback, like I think it, it works out for them. Like I just, I don't understand the overreaction from 49ers fans on why they want a Justin Fields so bad at three. I feel like there's a lot more unanswered questions with Justin Fields than there are Mac Jones. Maybe that's just me in my own mind, I guess. That's a very interesting last comment. Um, I think there are a lot of questions about Mac Jones, but I also see that there's questions with Justin Fields and whatnot. But to say that there's more questions for Justin Fields than Mac Jones is, to me, was an interesting take considering Mac Jones has, what, 12 career starts, 13 career starts? Yeah. So but I feel like my thing with Justin Fields like this it's gonna sound bad but like and i know people hate to say this and it's something i've argued in the past like we just haven't seen a quarterback come out of that system be successful it's not coming out of the university it's come out of that system like that offense is just so good and like you could say the same arguments where it's like well the amount of talent that mac jones played with was so good like he was always thrown to open guys i mean yeah they kind of both were at times right but then they both have throws where it is in a tight window and it's like wow, like they were able to fit that like in a perfect spot. You love to see that. Or, you know, Justin Fields takes a big shot in, you know, the playoff game and he turns right around and throws a touchdown or zips a ball across the middle. And you just kind of look at it and I was like, are you going to be able to get away with those type of throws? And like, which quarterback can you look at and the type of throws and risks that they made in college are that they're going to be able to get away with in the NFL, right? Like, that's kind of where my point is. I felt like we saw more touch from Mac Jones along the sideline in the back of the end zone than we did from Justin Fields. That's kind of where my questions come from. That's fair. I also think that that's the style of offense, kind of like you were saying, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, because we could that, – that was everybody's argument about Justin Herbert, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me – but to answer your question, right, I, I, I have no problem which route they go. Um, I liked Austin saying he wants his Kirk Cousins, right? That, to me, mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then – to me, like, I don't care about the, like, well, Alabama had all these great weapons. Guess what? The Niners have amazing weapons. This yeah. offense is insane. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Mostert. Like, these guys are freaks. And, like, yeah. we haven't even seen t- guys like Jalen Hurd, guy out of Tennessee and Baylor that mm-hmm. two years ago, who's just gotten unlucky and gotten hurt in preseason both years. Like yep. that dude's going to be a freak inside, like in the slot. It's he like Garrett Waller, be, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like he was a running back and then he switches to wide receiver for one year. Like he knows how to like break tackles and stuff. Like they have probably like my, like, my dream offensive like weapons out of any yep. team in the NFL. I think I like their offense offensive weapons the most. Um, so I think anybody can do good. And honestly, I could see Mac Jones just fitting in well with that. Like Debo Samuel and IU play very similar to like the Waddle and, and Devonte Smith style. So I can see why he wants them. So that, that was my thought, Trace. And I, that's why I love this stuff, man. That's why I love asking this stuff to you. Cause I feel like, had I asked Teresa, if, if, if you're the GM of the Niners, you're making that pick. And I'll still ask it right now. Do you take Mac Jones? Or you're still more Justin Fields, Teresa? If I'm the Niners, I... Geez, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm tempted, to, I'm tempted to take... 
Jones. Uh, You're gonna say Trey Lance, aren't you? I'm about to say Trey Lance. But <laughs> I didn't know how to say. Honestly, I'm I'm, te- I'm tempted to take Trey Lance. Um, I think that he has that he has that ability to you know drop in the dimes and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, this is weird to say because it and it never really happens. But I really think that all five quarterbacks are going to be super successful in the NFL. I think all five of them are going to do great things. I, I think that's a very fair point because I think they're all going to find themselves in good situations, right? Like these teams that are selecting quarterbacks right here are they're either there's a new regime that's built around the team or in a position to build around them in the next couple years. It's not like this team's falling. Like it's not like the Cleveland Browns, right? Where they get the number one pick or, you know, they take a quarterback in the middle of the round, but then they still don't have anything else or they didn't add anything in free agency. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they refix that defense and they get that offensive line figured out. Look the fuck out with Trevor Lawrence because that receiving core is pretty good. And LaVishka Chanel is a guy who Therese and I are very aware of, especially Therese. That dude, like we talked about Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. LaVishka Chanel is better than them, in my opinion. Like in just year one on a shitty Jaguars team. And that might be like a, a, hot, a hot thing to say right now. With Trevor Lawrence and that offense, you know, with their coach like Urban Meyer, it's not going to be that hot take. I don't even know if it's hot takey right now. Like, I just feel like people might hear that and be like, oh, what? It's because you don't, you didn't, you weren't able to watch him. You, you didn't really see much, but like that dude's going to be good. And you still got DJ Shark and you have a Colin Johnson. You have these big body receivers. And if you land a Kadarius Tony or an Eskridge in the draft, that short, speedy guy that Urban Meyer loves to have on his offense. Yeah, look out. Like, that's your Percy Harvin. That's your Curtis Samuel. That is exactly what Urban Meyer is going to find for his offense in the draft. And this Jaguars team is going to be good. Let's go to the Jets. Zach Wilson. They have so many picks that I don't know if they even know what they're going to do with him. There's a lot of holes on that team to fix. I think Joe Douglas is the perfect guy for you, right? You get Robert Sala. That's it. There's your defense. You, he will take care of the defense. The scheme and the defense that he created in San Francisco with someone of a bunch of no-namers that help make them stars and help put them in the right positions and coach them up to be good, yeah, that that is a good guy for the job. And now let's go to number three with the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is your quarterback. He wanted Debo Samuel at wide receiver. They got him in what, round two? That was his like senior bowl crush with the year that Trace and I went with uh, Matt and Mello and the guys from BR. Last year, he wanted Brandon Ayuk. When they made that pick, that dude was ecstatic in the draft room. There's clips of it. You can look it up. You tell me that if he wants Mac Jones, they're not going to draft Mac Jones. Trey Lance, I like where Treese's mind's at there because that is like a, a scary, like maybe smoke screen. It's like, hey, we can put Mac Jones because we don't want anyone else. I, I, at the same why the fuck you don't smoke screens? You're at the third pick, right? That doesn't make any sense. But if you want Mac Jones, you're going to get him. And if Kyle Shanahan is excited about Mac Jones, San Francisco fans better be excited. I don't know why you're betting against him, in my opinion. Who else do we have? Trey Lance. If, where he lands. If he somehow, if him or Justin Fields fall to the Denver Broncos at nine or fall out of the top ten and the New England Patriots are able to trade up, if the Denver Broncos get a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, I am terrified as a Chiefs fan because of the offensive weapons that are on that team. That's where Justin Fields better hope he falls. Where – Hey, you can still make plays on the ground. You can use your feet if you want to because you got that 4-4 speed. Or, hey, guess what? You got all these other fast receivers that are going to be able to create space and get open in the routes, like a Cortland Sutton, like a uh, Jerry Judy, like a Noah Fan at tight end. Oh, and the running back, you have a Melvin Gordon who can catch the ball, and you're probably going to take another one in the third or fourth round, and you got a defense due to your head coach. That's a good spot to be for Justin Fields. And Trey Lance goes to the Patriots. Fuck, wrap it up, boys. We got another dynasty. I'm calling it right now. So, Trace, your take on all these quarterbacks being good, I think is a fair take because they're all going to end up landing in positions that's good for them. Now, if they land on the Chicago Bears or a Washington football team, still probably pretty good if you land on a Washington, thanks to Ron Revere. But if you land in Chicago, that might be good because of the defense. But I don't know if there's enough supporting cast there to match on like the other teams that I just explained. I mean, with Washington getting Curtis Samuel, you have Curtis Samuel and Scary Terry. Like, I think that's very, very good for mm-hmm. either one of those. I mean, in our mock draft last last mock draft, I was Washington. I traded all the way up to four. Um, yep. So, yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. So, super exciting there. Um, Riley, what else you got for us? 
no, man, it, I just, I just eat this stuff up, man. It, it's, it's funny. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. One of you guys had mentioned on uh, the episode after the, the Niners traded up to three is when was last time? I think it was you, Teresa said, when was the last time, you know, the first three picks were quarterbacks and I've just been racking my brain with it. Like what, one of them won't be good. So who is it going to be? But maybe they will all be good. Maybe that, maybe that's a really good point. Austin. Yeah, I feel like I'm answering these questions like super long. So I apologize right. if, if it's taking up too much time, but trying to to give in some detailed answer here for you, Riley. No, it's good stuff. I I text you today. I'm like, hey, how much of my stuff should I add? Uh, we're like a few bullet points down, but that's good because we just got stuff uh, down the road that we, we can use. Let me go rapid fire on a couple of these then. There is a blank percentage chance that the Dallas Cowboys make the playoffs this season. 85%. If, if Dak Prescott's healthy. 100% if Dak Prescott's healthy. <laughs> um, but I don't think he's going to be fully healthy. So I'm going to say just overall, I'm going to say 60-ish, 60. Meh, lower than that, 55. Yep, okay. I don't know. Who's their backup quarterback now? <laughs> I don't even know. We'll find out in two weeks during the draft. <laughs> All right. Okay. Kyle Trask, round three. No, he's gone before then. I don't think so. I bet he goes first round. Shut up. Kyle Trask? I don't think so. Bro, to there's like... So that's the interesting, that's the interesting thing, right? So like now all of a sudden this Davis Mills is getting all this love out of Stanford. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm a Pac-12 dude and I barely know who this fool is. <laughs> um, do you like how I said fool? I've never said that in my life. Before. I like it. Um, you should, you, that should be your thing. Uh, that should be my thing. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I always like watching Stanford and I, I did notice him this year that like, I'm like, yeah, he makes some good throws, but like, I never like would have thought like, he would be in the discussion for the first round. So I thought that was very interesting that like his name's getting brought up like two weeks before the draft. I mean, he's like that prototype quarterback that people want in the NFL, right? Tall, bulky, strong arm. People love that. Like, I think that's kind of where it is. Like Kyle Trasking, I don't know if he's as tall because I think he's only like six, two or six, three. I, he might be taller than that. Excuse me. But, um, but like also, Kyle Trask, like we're going to look at like a, like a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers question marks at quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger. Dwayne Haskins is your quarterback moving forward? False. I, I'm not buying that at all. Now, the New Orleans Saints, Jameis Winston, do you want to try that for more than a year if it doesn't work out? And, you know, and he has the 30-30 vision again? Sean McVay is not going to let that fly. Not at all. Like, I just think those are the two teams. And, like, the Chicago Bears, Ryan Pace is desperately trying to save his job. Do you want to keep moving forward with Andy Dalton? Is he a bad quarterback? No. Does he get your team excited and franchise excited for the future? No. Does Kyle Trask? I don't know. Maybe. But it gives something for the next guy to come in and maybe work with. Like, those are just the teams that I think can miss out on the possibility to trade up or, you know, teams that could trade back up into the first round and take a quarterback there late. I mean, shit. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could take one. Like Tom Brady, we really expect him to keep this pace of play in the next two to three years. We've said that two or three years ago, but shit, like this time he's 43 years old. You, you're going to have a 45-year-old starting quarterback in two years? Yeah, in the Super Bowl most likely. Um, Probably, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Kyle Trask is very intriguing to me, like to where he goes in the draft. Like it's going to be awesome to watch. Um, so we'll see. All right. Sorry, Riley. You said rapid fire and we just made yep. that just a long thing. So go no, ahead. Listen, I think they're good questions if, if uh, we, we get to spend this much time on them. So, so love it. Good stuff. Um, there is a blank percent chance the Cleveland Browns win the AFC North. 45. Um. I'll say 50 because it's out of them or the Ravens. Uh, the other two teams don't have a chance, so 50-50 chance. Let's go. Oh. Fair. Okay. I like that. What percent chance Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay after this season? He's in? That he's like, it remains that, in Green Bay? That he, that he stays a Packer. Ooh. And I know there's a variables, right? How does he play? How does the team do? I just want to know what is your first instinct? They just drafted Jordan Love, right? 
does Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay after this season? I don't remember what his contract's like. If this is his last year on the contract, like I think it is, it's like not, I might no, remember. No, so he has two he years. Has, he's contracted through 2023, but his out is after this year at only 17 million cap hit. Yeah, I think it depends on how he plays, how the team performs, not necessarily Aaron Rodgers. If the team performs bad, they're going to be ready to move on with Mr. Love. If they've performed uh, good, <clears throat> I think they just keep him. So uh, I, I'll say 2022. Sorry, you didn't get a percentage, my bad. I, I don't know what percentage to give yeah. because I think like that's the variable. Yeah, um, I'll say like 90% um, because after 2022, his dead cap number is like – 2 million rather than 17 million. So this year it's at 38 next year, it drops to 17 the year after that it's two. So I think that they'll just go one more year. Um, and I'm with trees and Roger sat for his first three years as well. So it would make sense. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Let's do a, another quarterback, Russell Wilson in Seattle. Ooh. <laughs> uh, percentage that he stays again. See, I'm kind of thinking about this from obviously, you know, having a franchise quarterback just decide I, I, I really want to change the scenery. And we heard Rodgers say something similar like that at the end of last season, right? We don't know what's, what's in this, the future. Maybe is it just a matter of he just wants a change, you know, change of scenery? 50%. I think it is just a freaking coin flip. I will say no matter what at next year, either – the head coach or the quarterback is gone in Seattle. One of the okay. two is gone. Ooh. You're talking regardless of how the season goes. That's what he said. I think that's nothing what he good. Said. Nothing good yeah. lasts forever, right? So yeah. So well, no. So this this is what I'm thinking is there's I don't I don't think Seattle is good enough to make the NFC championship game. For example, like they're they're probably a divisional round lost type team. Um, and I think that at that point, you have to make the call on if you're keeping your head coach or you're keeping your quarterback. Okay. That's fair. I think that makes perfect sense. Who wins the NFC West? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the Rams. I defer my answer to two weeks from today when I can decide when I can see who the Niners drafted at quarterback. Ridiculous. <laughs> Calculated. Calculated. Um, um, no, honestly, I'll geez, the Rams are just so freaking good. Um, I'll say the nine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the Niners. I'll say the Niners uh, right now. It, if it's the Niners, are you then saying that you think Jimmy G is their starter all 17 games? No. I think <laughs> he's their starter. Yeah. If, he's, <laughs> if, if Jimmy G is the starter for every single game, it is absolutely not the Niners who win the Super Bowl, the <laughs> NFC West. Yeah. So you, you think Jones, if it's Jones or whichever rookie quarterback takes over and they can then go that far with him? Yes, and I think that I still think Jimmy G starts probably the first what six to eight games. Again, kind of depends on the schedule. When does that bye week come yeah. in? Because that's when yep. they're gonna that's when they're gonna make that switch most likely. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Last one. It's only been done twice in history that a team has made three consecutive Super Bowls. The Bills did it in the early '90s. The Patriots did it sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Austin, your Chiefs are gonna try to do that this year. I want to hear from you why it will happen and then hear from Treese why it won't happen. Oh, this is going to be an exciting end of this episode. That's for sure. We're going to go well over an hour here. I know this is a long episode. Uh, so why it will happen here. I get to be Mr. Optimistic. I cannot fucking wait. All right. So defensively, um, I felt like they were complacent last year. This is something I heard and I argued about on Mike Dub, radio show that I do every day with Matt Mello. And here's the thing. I argued with him on it because I didn't want to believe it. But the truth is they were, okay? Chris Jones, 
did his best to ball out. Now, they continued to struggle to have that pass rush opposite of Frank Clark. I think they find that this year with the addition of Mike Dana, who they took last year in the draft, and Taco Charlton, if he can stay healthy. Those two guys rotating on the opposite end of Frank Clark is what they need. Defensively, in the secondary, you get Juan Thornhill back for in the full season, a full offseason of being healthy. Um, He's still in the process of recovering from that knee injury that he had uh, late last December, not this past football season, but we finally got to see him kind of turn it on and be the same guy there towards the end of the year and continue to make plays that we we got used to seeing in Kansas City before he got injured his rookie season. So you have that in your secondary. Boom, you're set. You're bringing back veteran players. You get a second-year Willie Gay Jr. at linebacker um, who splashed at moments at linebacker for the Chiefs, and I think – he realizes that he needs to step up and I hope he does take that step and I'm expecting him to take that step. So if he does, we're excited for that on the defense as well. Right. Um, Let's just switch to the offensive side of the ball. You lose Sammy Watkins. You bring back Demarcus Robinson. You have McCall Hardman there. You have Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Offensive weapon-wise, I think you're fine. I think you add to it in the second or third round this year in the draft because you need a clear-cut number two receiver to replace Sammy Watkins. I don't know if Demarcus Robinson can do that. It's a lot to ask of a rookie receiver to step up that much in his first year, but I think that between a rookie receiver, Demarcus Robinson, and asking more of a role from McCall Hardman in terms of the route tree that he's asked to do, I think you're competing, and I think McCall Hardman is surprising a lot of people and shutting up a lot of haters as well. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they try to get him involved in the in the offense Excuse me, early in the season, um, his rookie season, right? It took a little bit. It started off with a bang. With you know the first game against Houston and then eventually against Buffalo in the rain and then after that it kind of tailed off but they tried it just didn't work out when you're having Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill having career years I think you're going to need to ask more from him and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to get the ball out quicker because you're going to have a rookie left tackle and you're going to have a second year player who opted out his rookie season at right tackle and Lewis and Lucas Nyang who they took at a TCU so the offense is going to be quick early in the season next year until those tackles start clicking and start getting things figured out. I trust that whoever they take at 31, whether it is a left tackle or if they decide to wait to the second round in terms of value on who's there, um, like we talked about earlier with, you know, an Eichenberg or, you know, a Mr. Little out of, you know, Stanford as well, a guy who was deemed as maybe a first round left tackle before getting injured at the start of 2019 and then opting out this past season due to COVID. You find one of those guys at left tackle, I think they're fine. You still have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You still have Travis Kelsey at tight end. You still got Tyreek Hill at receiver. This team stays healthy, and they continue to grow on offense like I'm expecting them to do and defense with those young guys. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's stopping them in the AFC. Buffalo, they're close. I still don't know if they're there, but it is going to be an exciting AFC championship game if both those teams meet there again. Trees, why are they not making the Super Bowl? Ooh, all right. <clears throat> that was a lot of words. Um, <laughs> so uh, why they are not making the Super Bowl. Um, I think that they have gotten extremely lucky on a few things. Um, the main thing being healthy from the key players. Um, a lot of like they have not missed. Obviously, Mahomes missed what two and a half games a couple of years ago with the knee injury. But other mm. than that, really, their key players have been fairly healthy. Um, and I think that age may start catching up to guys like the honey badger and like Travis Kelsey, um, and just some other key parts. We obviously saw what happens when your two tackles are out. Obviously that was very short notice. You now have a full year to kind of get that prepared, but that's still very much an unknown. Um, so those are like the big factors to me. I think eventually the luck of staying healthy runs out and I, I'm not wishing an injury on anybody, but I think that that's just the reality of the game. So I'm going to say that. And then also I am going to point out that you have a very, very tough division. Uh, I think the chargers are going to be much, much better um, in second year. I think, and no, I'm not saying they're winning the division. I see that smile, but I think they're going to be better. And I think you deep down know they're going to be better. Uh, the Broncos are going to be better. Um Vegas, do they take that next step? I don't know. But either way, even if they're the fourth best team, I mean, they beat you once last year. So let's see what happens this year, right? So uh, Bill's going to make it take, take that step forward. Browns, 
one Chad Henney, bless his heart, play away from beating you guys um, last year. Um, let's see. Let's see if Lamar Jackson makes a jump. He may, may not. Um, and then the AFC South. Sorry, I'm just going through divisions. I like I like the Colts, man. I really like him with with Carson Wentz, and I still think the Titans. I still think the Titans have a bad taste in their mouth, and they want they want another shot at the Chiefs during the playoffs. So um, I just think that you you are the hunted long enough, you're going to get taken out eventually. And there's a reason, like Riley said, that only a few teams have gone to three straight Super Bowls. There's a reason for that because the hunted get hunted, you know, like they just do like they get taken out eventually, even if it's just for a year and then you, and then you come back. Chiefs are going to be around for a long time. They have a great GM. They have a great head coach. They have a great quarterback. They have great, great everything. Right. Sometimes the ball just doesn't fall in your favor in a game. And that's most likely what I think is going to happen this year to make it. So you don't go to three straight Super Bowls. All fair points. Austin, I, I, I respect that your answer wasn't just Patrick Mahomes and then turned it over to, to trees. I should have said that. <laughs> and, I, and I love, I love, I realize uh, like ask, asking the quarterback trees. position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one Patrick Mahomes. Um, I love that, you know, I knew kind of, okay, Trace, tell me why the, the Chiefs won't make the Super Bowl. That's, that's a tough uh, proposition, but uh, great answers on both sides. I love it. And it gives you something, Austin, to kind of to chew on over the next few days and uh, months coming up as we get into next season. You know, we're all just hoping to have the same success that the Chiefs have had, you know, coming up. So, this is Good jealousy. luck. It's kind of hard to come across. <laughs> Shit, man. Take, take the Lions five years to win in uh, one what the Chiefs win in one year, so. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Sorry to laugh at you. Uh, hey, man. Facts. Sorry to make fun of your misery. Um, <laughs> yeah. Facts. Facts, yeah. I love it. All right, cool. Well, that does it for us. Uh, Riley, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Tacos, we appreciate all you. And tonight we've been talking football.